Well, it's exciting to look back, isn't it? But here's the reality. A church that only looks back becomes a monument, no longer a movement. The only reason we look back is to retrace the steps of where we've been because those are where we're going. And that's what this series is about as we begin to imagine. We began this Imagine campaign a year ago. We're midway through. So as we did in those early days, I'm going to ask you to imagine with me again because what we've learned is our imagination really can become our destination. And as excited as I am and thankful for where we've been, I've never in 18 years been more excited about where we're going, what we're becoming. The greatest days, honestly, are yet ahead for Abundant Life. This is actually the little brick building that Jim was talking about. It had about a seven foot ceiling. I am six foot six. So when I'd raise my hands to praise, you know, it was more like this than like this. You know what I'm saying? But uh, we did what we had to do in those days. It was a pioneering vision, it was a pioneering movement. Uh, and a lot of people think, well, that is a house. It was never a house, that was actually a kingdom hall. The Jehovah's Witnesses actually met there. We bought that building from them. We exercised all the demons, kicked them out, and started having church there. And that's where it began. And uh, this was our first kids wing. It's one of the houses that Lori referred to. And this was our first ever kids wing. This is where we had Sunday school and we had kids in the cabinets. We had kids in the kitchen sink. We had kids crawling out of the, you know, the, the bedroom closets. And that's just what we had. And that's what you do in those early days of infancy. But listen, here's the deal. We never merely saw what was. We saw what could be. And that's where imagination comes in. You imagine what could be. You don't merely see what is. You see what God sees. And that's when God gives you a dream, and that dream then becomes a destiny. It can become your reality. And that's what we began talking about a year ago. Your imagination can become your destination, but only if you take action. Most people just daydream. What is a daydream? You have something in your mind's eye of this perceived ideal, what you wish was your destiny, what you wish was your reality. That's as far as most people get. And I want to talk today and in the next three, four weeks about how to take your imagination and make it your real destination by putting it in motion. All of this is here today because we did more than dream. We took action. You see, when God gives you a dream, it's not a call to do nothing. It's a call to do something. And so I want you to begin thinking about what you want for your family, your dream for your children. What is their destination? Your dream for your marriage. Some of you wonder, Will I even be married a year from now? It's going to take a miraculous intervention if marriage is going to be my destination. Friends, listen carefully. We're going to see that Jesus is the God of the resurrection, that he resurrects things that have died, that he is the God of restoration. He restores things that are lost. And some of us are afraid to dream because, quite frankly, our past is full of broken dreams. I want you to begin dreaming again with me as we do as a church family. I want you to begin doing that now for your life individually. Now, if you haven't got one of these yet, be sure you pick one of these up on the way out. These are Imagine Campaign brochures. It kind of gives you an update of how far we've come midway through this two-year journey of what we're asking God to do. The ushers have these. You can pick them up at Next Steps class or Next Steps um, desk as well. But just by way of review, what are the things we're dreaming for in the next two years as a church? First of all, we said a year ago, we want to launch a new church in the north part of our city. Remember, we have never been just about 
about addition. We didn't build this big auditorium just to add to our church family and grow a bigger crowd. No, that's not the idea at all. This is about building a foundation to build a tower higher and farther that can shine brighter and wider. And so the key to fulfilling the Great Commission, that's what we're called to do, is not just addition, but rather multiplication. And so the idea is that we've now laid the foundation so that now for years and years to come, the vision is about multiplication. And so we want to surround our city with the love of God. What I dream about today, it hasn't changed that much in 18 years. I want to surround our city with the word of God. I want to surround our city with the love of God. And that means I'm not going to do it right here. We're going to take a lot of people and we're going to send them out there. And so Jernigan and Jessica Schwint are starting a church north of the river and their official launch will be August of this year. Now, a year ago, we knew that we were gonna have a baby church, and that's what we're doing as a church. We're giving birth to a church. I saw a mom recently, and uh, she's expecting, and what she said is, Pastor Phil, I knew that I was expecting a baby. What I didn't know is I was expecting twins, and she's having twins. Well, guess what? A year ago, we knew we were expecting to give birth to a new baby church. What we didn't know is we're actually expecting twins, and so the good news is, not only are we sending Journey and Jessica to the north part of our city, we're sending Blake and Megan Fortner to the south part of our city. We're not starting one church this year, we're starting two. Is that exciting? Isn't that awesome? Now, I, I know that, you know, our city is in mourning because, you know, the Chiefs lost yesterday and the city is in mourning and it's depressing. And I told you a few weeks ago in the early season, they're like five and one, everybody's going Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Listen, I have lived in this town long enough. And I'm just telling you, divorce yourself ahead of time. Just emotionally divorce yourself from the pain, all right? I'm just telling you. So everybody's in mourning. It's this nasty, rainy, icy day out there. We need something to celebrate. I think we ought to celebrate what God celebrates. Is this exciting or not? I mean, this is, this is the vision. All right, this is the mission. Now, the second thing we dreamed about a year ago, what do we want to see God do in two years in the life of our church? We want to build a freestanding food pantry to further serve our city. It's so exciting to see what happens every single week as people come for groceries. But listen, they don't just get groceries, they get a hold of God. They come for groceries and then they get the gospel. And lives are being changed. This is one of our key outreaches to our city. It's been over there in the modular for year after year after year, simply outgrown that little facility. So we're building a brand new facility right behind us on this property, and we're going to do it in cash. We're not adding anything to our debt. And understand what we're doing, because we want to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world, putting God's love on display in a tangible way. Guess what? A year ago, our church gave away 450,000 pounds of food to over 3,000 families in our city. And we're able to do that because of your generosity, and it really is exciting. So we're going to be breaking ground on this facility probably March sometime this year, be operational by the end of the year, October, November, somewhere in there. We said we want to renew membership commitment. You know why? Because I'm convinced church membership in America has devolved to a place that doesn't mean anything, quite frankly. Think about all the thousands of names on church membership roles of people who are members in name only. 
And so we actually want it to mean something at our church. And so what does that look like? Church membership is more than just checking off a box and signing a card. It means one, I'm gonna connect relationally in community in this body. Meaning I don't wanna have the sense of anonymity. I wanna connect relationally in community. Number two, I'm gonna support this ministry financially. I'm not just gonna be for it, I'm gonna support it. And number three, I'm gonna serve somewhere in the ministry. So what does it mean? It means I want to be a player. I'm no longer a spectator. I'm getting out of the bleachers. I want to be a kingdom contender. Coach, put me in. Show me a place on the team. Put me on the roster. That's membership. And you know, last year, check this out, over 1,700 serving positions were filled. 1,700 of you stepped up and said, I want to be on the roster. I want to be on the team. That is awesome. You mean to see why? Listen, I have never been more excited about where we are as a church, what we are, what we are becoming. As thankful as I am to look back, and Jim and Lori Green, I'm so thankful that they had the guts to get up here and share some of that and where they've been and what they saw in those early days. I'm telling you, I've never been more excited about being a part of what our church is and what we're becoming than ever. We're serving more than ever. We're giving more than ever. We're more full of the truth of God and the grace of God more than ever. And that's honestly what we've always wanted to be is that living proof of a loving God. Over 400 of you were part of starting 62 offsite groups this past fall. No longer satisfied with the anonymity, but you really wanna connect relationally. That's amazing, it's phenomenal. Number four, increased generosity of our church body. Do you know that last year over a thousand of you, a thousand households, a thousand individuals took their first step toward giving honestly in that biblical manner financially, meaning, you know, you, you step away from just being a tipper and a lot of people tip God, like, you know, I'll kind of give what I can if I can. But, but I talk about really a prayerful giver. I mean, in other words, where you've really prayed and now you're a consistent a giver, a steward of what God has given you, and over a thousand of you stepped forward. Many of you went from giving, say, nothing, and now you're saying, God, I wanna support the ministry with something. And some of you went from giving something to now giving uh, a way that you're really tithing, and you're taking those steps of faith. And I'm telling you, God is using you exponentially to give away what God's given us. Isn't that exciting? I'm so proud of you guys. I really am, so thankful for each of you, and then number five, we wanna pay off $5 million of debt in the next two years, completely being debt-free four years from today. This is what we've done. If you haven't been a part of our journey, we built four times, we put a lot of capital down each time we build, and then we aggressively, systematically attack our debt and get out of debt very, very quickly. Now, just imagine four years from today, being debt-free, the tsunami of opportunity of ministry with all the buildings and all the energy and the money behind us with the facilities, and all of a sudden now, we can focus all that energy and all that opportunity on reproduction multiplication and advancing the gospel, not just locally, but globally. That's the goal. Now, here's the deal. A year ago, we said our goal was to pay off $2 million of our debt in one year. Church, we didn't get it done. We paid off $3 million instead. How's that sound? Is that better? Is that awesome? See, this is what we've learned. Every time we think we're gonna put God to the test, this just seems impossible. We put our faith in motion for God. God goes in motion for us. 
And this is what we're going to learn in this faith journey as we follow Abraham for the next four weeks on this journey of faith. What we learn and what we've learned over and over again is your imagination can become a destination, but only if you'll take those faith steps of action. You put your faith in motion, which is obedience in action. And every time we go in motion, then God goes in motion. The reason why most churches don't do anything for God, honestly, is they want to do only that which they can see and which comes with a guarantee. We're not going to live risky. We're not going to have faith living dangerously. So consequently, they don't see the supernatural because they don't attempt the impossible. Listen, if you want to see God do the impossible in your life, you got to attempt the improbable to see God do the impossible. And that's what we've seen God do over and over again as a church family. And that's what he wants to do in your life personally. I want you to begin getting a vision that can become a destination. What is it you're asking God to do in your life in 2018? I mean, what is it in your life that seems like an impossibility? You know what Jesus said with God? All things are possible. And I want God to begin to birth a dream in your heart, in your life personally, as he has in our church as a family, because that can become a real destiny. And ultimately, we're going to see that what God has said is your ultimate reality, not merely what you see. Because for a lot of us here, honestly, 2018 doesn't have a lot of hope because 2017 didn't either. I mean, some of us here, honestly, we're just barely hanging on as a family. And we're wondering, is there any hope for my marriage? marriage. For some of us here, honestly, we're just barely hanging on to our children, and it seems like there's no hope for my children. They're just wandering farther and farther away. For some of us here, we've come from financial collapse and ruin, and we wonder, is there any recovery from where I've been? I haven't worked for three months. I don't know how I'm going to do it again. I want you to begin understanding that what God has promised, he will always perform, and that's why we're going to study this life of Abraham. Abraham is called out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and what we know about Abraham is he would be the father of the Jews. Now, the reason why Jesus in John chapter 4 said that salvation is of the Jews is because it was the Jews that gave us Jesus. And so Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, is just a man named Abram. Abram is a name that means exalted father. He's not yet Abraham, father of a multitude. He's going to be, that is his destiny. But right now, that's not his reality. He's just a pagan idolater in this ancient city of the earth of Chaldees. Now, what we have as Christians is a faith based on real history and real people and real places. It's a faith based on evidence. The earth of Chaldees is an archaeological dig. It's an archaeological site. You can go there today. It was an ancient city, sometimes called the kind of cradle of civilization, that became a great city in ancient, ancient days in the Fertile Crescent, Mesopotamia, of what is today modern-day Iraq. It was a city that was built on the Euphrates and the Tigris. And so you have this man, Abram, that God finds in the earth of Chaldees. He's calling him out to a new land he's never been, to a place he's never seen. And he makes Abram a promise. You're going to be the father of a great nation. Now, here's the amazing thing about his story. He's married to a woman who is barren. They have no children. It's going to be really hard to father a great nation if you have no children, You're going to have like a family tree that's really barren. You know what I'm saying? 
But see, what Abraham's going to learn is that what God has said is the reality and not merely what he sees, because what he sees looks like an impossibility. And his faith journey is a picture of our faith journey. Look in Genesis 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, what theologians call this is the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is a covenant God makes with Abraham to do a number of things. Number one, he says, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. We know that nation now is the nation of Israel. Number two, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth through you. And that's called the Abrahamic blessing. You see, we as Christians are under that Abrahamic blessing because it was Abraham that gave us Jesus. You see, it was Abraham that fathered the Jews. And so the Abrahamic covenant now extends to me and you. Now, listen carefully. There's something called replacement theology. You hear a lot about this. Now, I don't have time to talk about it. Don't really have time to teach about it. I just want you to understand, replacement theology says the church has become the spiritual Israel, that the Abrahamic covenant has been broken. It's no longer in effect because the Jews crucified their Messiah, who was Jesus. I want you to understand something. The Abrahamic covenant has not been broken. It is irreversible. It is irrevocable. It is everlasting. You know how I know that? Because when you go to Genesis chapter 17, God restates this same thing, and what he calls it is an everlasting covenant. Now, I'm not that smart. I'm sure many of you are smarter than I am, but honestly, only a theologian can mess this up. What does everlasting mean? I mean, everlasting covenant. Uh, Everlasting means... Forever? Yeah, okay, good, good, good. See, here's the deal. When God made this covenant with Abraham, he said it's everlasting, it's forever. What does that mean? This covenant God made with the Jews is still in effect. It does not apply specifically doctrinally to me and you. The church is not the spiritual Israel. The church is the church, and Israel is Israel. I can't talk any more about that, but I wish I could. Now look at the rest of this. He says, and I will bless you, and I will bless them that bless you. I will curse him who curses you. You know what God is saying? You get on the wrong side of Israel, you get on the wrong side of God. Just saying. All right, now, I, I gotta move on. Now watch this. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, what's amazing is this journey we're gonna see of Abraham is a picture of the faith journey of every believer as God leads us on a journey to a land that flows with milk and honey. You see, God finds us in the very same place he found Abram. Abram is in the Ur of the Chaldees. He's in sin and idolatry, and that is a exactly where God found you. Before you knew Jesus, before you came to Christ, you were far from God. You see, you were in your own Ur of the Chaldees, in that place of sin and idolatry, but God speaks light into the darkness of your life, and then he leads you on this journey spiritually to a land that flows with milk and honey. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and you can have it more abundantly. That is the promised land spiritually. That is ultimately your destiny. But here's the reality. God is far more concerned with your journey 
journey than with your destiny. You see, it's in your journey that God is preparing you for your destiny. You see, the reality is God wants something for you specifically that's beyond what you could hope or imagine for your family. He wants your life to matter for time and eternity. And it all begins with taking those baby steps of faith. And that's how it is for all of us. We all begin taking those first steps. As Abram had to hear what God has said, believe what God has said, and all of a sudden he takes his first step and he leaves behind the Ur of the Chaldees. And for many of us here, that's our first step today. For some of us here, we're not on the high beam. We're just on the low beam. And if you've never been on the low beam, this can feel very risky as the high beam. I mean, this can be just as hard spiritually for some of us, honestly, just getting to church today was the baby step we needed to take. I mean, that was the first step of the next step. I mean, you came to church on a nasty, ugly, wintry morning. I mean, if I could high-five everybody here, I would. Go ahead and do that for me, somebody please. Pat each other on the back. You came to church on a day like awesome, okay? I'm serious. I'm glad everybody's watching online. Got a lot of people watching online. We wish you were here. Okay, but here's the reality. It all begins here, right? Just the baby steps. And for some of us here, we're just beginning the spiritual journey. You're in infancy spiritually. That's where everybody begins personally. Just going to make it to church on the first Sunday of the year. You know, I was talking with a, a young lady this week named Sarah Finnegan. Now, Sarah is a part of our church. Here's her family just a couple weeks ago out in our foyer uh, after one of our Christmas services. What I did not know about the Finnegans is their daughters are world-class gymnasts. Yeah, and Sarah's actually down at LSU right now competing for them. But in 2012, at 15 years of age, she went to the Olympics. I mean, this is amazing. I wanted to show you her routine at the Olympics on the balance beam. Couldn't because it was copyrighted. And believe it or not, we try to obey the laws. I mean, the spirit of the law at least, right? Uh, in, in, in anyway, so couldn't show you that one. So I can show you this one. This is the Visa Championships. Watch this. She's 15 years of age here. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I, thought, I find that absolutely amazing. I do. Now, I asked Sarah this week, so how do you get the courage to actually jump up there and do flips up there? I mean, seriously. Uh, because you could really maim yourself permanently. You know what I'm saying? She said, well, you don't start up there. She said, you start doing the baby steps. That's exactly what she said. You start here. You don't start up there. You start with the baby steps down here. And it's not quite as risky, even though, you know, you could still fall. You could still hurt something. And honestly, this is where you begin spiritually. Now, here's the deal. For a lot of us, this is exactly where we belong. We're just starting our life spiritually. We're taking those beginning steps. And honestly, that can feel a little bit scary for some of us. I mean, we've never been to church until this one. And the reality is, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit dangerous feeling. But for others of us, honestly, we've been on the low beam a long time spiritually. 
I mean, what used to be really, really crazy feeling, and it was like really taking a risk spiritually. Now, honestly, for you, that's kindergarten Christianity. For some of us, quite frankly, it wasn't a matter of faith to come to church today. You've done that before. It's not a matter of faith to write out your tithe or whatever it is anymore because you've done that before. And God has given you over and over again the ability and you've seen him come through faithfully. So honestly, it's not that scary. And so frankly, some of us, we're like, we've come to church first Sunday of the year and it's wintry and it's icy and we're like, ta-da, I made it to church. And God's going, I'm not impressed. You know why? Because for some of us here, it is time to take your next step spiritually. And you hear us talk a lot about the next step spiritually. And the reality for some of us here, we need to get on that second stage and that second beam. And quite frankly, some of us need to get out of the pews and quit being a pew potato. You know what a pew potato is, right? So a pew potato is the same thing as a couch potato. Really, there's no difference. A couch potato has a remote, pew potato has a Bible, but you know what, you're doing the same thing. You're just sitting there doing nothing. And so the reality for some of us, the next steps would be to go to our next steps class, to actually get connected in the ministry, to start serving somewhere in the ministry, to maybe be a part of a spiritual community, maybe a small group somewhere, to lose that sense of anonymity where you feel like there's some safety because you can kind of come and go with no accountability. Nobody really knows I'm here. And you know, some of us need to take those next steps spiritually and get connected, seriously. Because honestly, you've been on that beam so long, it's like not challenging spiritually. And what you really need to do is say, God, what is my next step? Yes, God, I've been giving 2% since last year to support the ministry. But God, maybe I need to go to 4% this year. Or, you know, I've been showing up once a year uh, to, uh, you know, do ministry on Christmas Eve service and for the carnival. But, you know, maybe I need to make a commitment to serve somewhere faithfully. I just turned around up here. Did you see that? I just want you guys to know, I did not make that move the first and second service. I'm growing more bold. That's what happens spiritually. I'm telling you, you grow more bold the more you do something. All of a sudden, whoa, it's not quite as scary. And you realize, God, I can do this. Dismount. Now, here's the deal. For some of us, we've been up here a long time. I mean, we're not new in the faith. We're not new in this faith journey. And so consequently, serving, you know, I can do that. That's not that risky. Giving, yeah, God has come through financially over and over again. I can trust him with everything. But you know what God said through the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, greater things you will do than I have done. Well, wait a minute. Jesus, what did you say? I said, greater things will you do than even I have done. Now, wait a minute, this is the Son of God who said we would do greater things than even him. If I'm gonna do greater things than even him, I'm gonna have to take a risk that I have never taken before. And here's the reality. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. That means if we're not risking something for God, we're not pleasing God, it is always right to risk for the cause of Christ. And honestly, I'm not making this up. This is a little bit scary for me and you. Because there's no mat under here. There's no net that's going to catch me. 
I'm six foot six, this beam is four feet off the ground. I'm 10 and a half feet in the air. I'm like eyeball to eyeball with the light bulbs. But Jesus, you said greater things I would do. And Jesus, I believe you for greater things. And what Jesus meant by that was that Jesus' ministry was localized. In other words, even when Jesus was here physically, his ministry did not go globally. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, that was basically it. What Jesus was saying is that our ministry, our impact would be greater than even his. It would have a wider sphere of influence than even his. Why did we build the foundation? We call this building, this auditorium. Why did we make the foundation wider so that the light of God should shine farther and brighter and wider than ever? Yes, God, I believe you for greater things and we're gonna try the impossible things because we believe that you do the impossible when we attempt the improbable and that is what we're doing again. I mean, we're getting out of debt, debt-free in four years. That seems like an impossibility. 17 years ago, $164,000 in debt. I mean, that's nothing. That's pocket change, right? Not when you have 75 people and we have no money. I mean, it might as well have been $164 million in debt. You see, we're not attempting anything more than what we've already done before. We're simply saying, God, what you've done back here and here and here, we wanna see you do it here and here and here because we wanna make a greater impact and a bigger impact than ever. And yes, it's scary up here because we're going to a land we've never been and a place we've never seen, but we don't simply want what is. We wanna see what could be and we have to take those first scary steps and eventually we're gonna stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And hear those words from our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm gonna make you ruler now over many things. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Listen, if you want God to trust you with bigger things, then you've gotta be faithful with the little things. Now here's the reality, what that means is we're gonna have faith that is radical, we're gonna have faith that is risky, we're gonna tempt things that feel dangerously. And the reason why the average Christian, quite frankly, has a boring Christian existence, and we live in apathy, and we live in mediocrity, is because instead of letting go, we live in this place of safety and security, and I'm just gonna hang on. And I'm not taking any chances because I could fall and I could fail and somebody could get hurt and it could be me. And so consequently, we have this Christianity in American society that doesn't look anything like the book of Acts Christianity. Because when they were willing to give their life, we're just trying to hang on to our life, right? And God, I'll give a little bit when I can and I'll serve a little when I can. And Well, I might go on a mission trip for a week, but... God don't actually call me to missions or ministry. And we have this faith that's more dainty than dangerous. It's more cozy than costly. And while others have actually given their life and died for the Lord Jesus Christ, we're trying to build comforts into our life. And one day after hanging on to what we can in this place of safety and security, instead of surrendering and letting go, we're gonna stand at the judgment seat of Christ after hanging on and we're gonna dismount and say, God, what do you think? How'd I do? And not all of us are gonna hear those words of Matthew 25, well done. Good and faithful servant, you've been faithful 
over a few things. I wanna make you a ruler over many things. You see, God is not going to judge us as Christians on what we've been given. He's gonna judge each of us on what we did with what we've been given. And God has given us much at Abundant Life, hasn't he? He's blessed us with much. And I'm convinced the reason why is that we've been faithful all along the way with whatever God has given. We've said from the beginning, God, whatever you give us, we will give it all away. And that's simply what we're saying to God again. God, whatever you give us, we're gonna give it all away. And what's true of our church family, I pray is true of you. What are the next steps that you need to take in your life spiritually? You see, faith is believing something is so when it isn't so, so it will be so because God said it so. And I'm not gonna lie. The music's playing and I'm not near done. Sorry. I'm gonna work hard to be done. Okay. Lee, I love you, man. Thanks for doing your part. I need to do mine. What is faith? Faith is believing something is so when it isn't so, so it'll be so, because God said it's so. Best definition of faith I've ever heard. Here's Abram. He says, God, how can I be the father of a great nation? I have no children. And we learn that he was 75 years of age when he left the Ur of the Chaldees. Guess what? He will wait 25 years for God to make good on that promise. 25 years for Isaac to be born. Yet we don't want to wait 25 minutes. I mean, there's the problem. We think if God doesn't move this minute today, God has forgotten, God doesn't care. I want you to understand something. What God has promised, he will always perform. That's what faith is. Faith is not just crossing my fingers, hoping it comes through, hoping something good happens. No, faith is simply knowing what God has said and believing what God has said he'll do. He will always do, he'll always come through. He always will. If God promised it, he will perform it. You see, and God eventually did in the life of Abram. But you see, at the moment, that wasn't a reality. They didn't have a child. It wasn't so. Yet God said it's so. And whatever God says so, even when it's not so, it is so. So it'll be so. Oh, Phil, you don't understand. Financially, I'm ruined. I lost my job last year. No, that's not your reality. The reality is not what you see. It's what God said. Phil, you don't understand, my marriage is a wreck. I, I don't see any option but divorce. No, no, you, no, you don't understand. What you see may look like an impossibility. That is not your reality. What is your reality is not what you see, it's what God said. But children, you, you don't understand, my children, they've wandered far from God. I have that prodigal. It doesn't look like there's any chance they're ever coming back to God. No, you need to see what God sees. 25 years, a miracle was in the making. You're in the middle of a miracle. You just don't know it yet. A miracle is in the making. Here's the reality. What is here today at Abundant Life didn't get here in a day. It was 17, 18 years in the making of people taking one step after another, after another, after another, simply one step of faith after another. You see, you go in God's direction and only then do you reach the destination. If you'll simply take that step of action, going God's direction, only then do you realize one day, wow, this is the destination. You see, God told Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land I'll, I'll show you. 
See, God didn't give him a map with an X marks the spot. He gives us a compass. That's all he gives us. He didn't tell you everything ahead of time. You know why? Because it'd freak you out. In August of 1997, as a young father of a young family with two little kids in my arms, a young cop, I could not have fathomed, imagine, I'm gonna be in ministry someday. I mean, I'm gonna preach, I'm gonna pastor. Not only that, I'm gonna pastor this church that would eventually be renamed and reborn as Abundant Life. Yeah, that's, I, it would have freaked me out. I'd have kept looking for a church. The next Sunday, I'd have been somewhere else. See, God didn't tell you everything ahead of time. He just wants you to go that direction. You know what, I felt the call of God in minutes. I didn't know where it would be, what it would be, how it would be. I just knew, you know, I need to prepare for ministry maybe. I, I, I started taking some seminary. I'd study in my car in the police car at night. I mean, that's where I'd study, that was my seminary. I was simply going the direction, not knowing the destination. And that's true of your life too. I, I'm trying to apply from my life to yours, but God, God wants to do that same thing where you don't know the destination, you're just saying yes to the direction. Now here's the deal, here's what's amazing. Genesis 11:31. and Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haram, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. Now what is interesting, if you look on a map, this is a complete oxymoron. They came to the land of Canaan by way of Haran. Here's the Ur of the Chaldees, here's Canaan. But they didn't go God's direction. As a matter of fact, they went the wrong direction. If you look at the whole narrative, Abram spent 14 years, 600 miles north of the Ur of the Chaldees in Haran, instead of going 600 miles west to Canaan land. That was his destination. Yet he took a detour by way of distraction. Listen carefully, Satan is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal from you everything God wants to give you. And if he cannot destroy you, he will distract you. He will detour you. And for some of us, we've taken one detour after another. Abram took a detour that cost him 14 years of his life. For 14 years, he could have been in the promised land, but he chose to live out of the promised land because he chose to go his own direction. And for some of us, quite frankly, we don't need another New Year's resolution. Well, I'm gonna get back to church, no. You don't need another New Year's resolution. That's what people say about all the fitness clubs in this city. I'm gonna get back to the club and I'm gonna get in shape. And that's that's why this week all the clubs, all the workout facilities, they're all gonna be packed. And then come about March, everything's gonna go back to the same. Let me ask you something, about March will your life be the same? You see, it's not about a New Year's resolution, it's about finally saying, God, I'm bringing my heart's submission. No more diversion, no more detour, no more distraction cost him 14 years of your life, his life. How much will it cost you in your life? Finally, Abram says, okay, we're going the distance. We're not going halfway. Verse five, then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land of a place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Mori. And the Canaanites were in the land. Now remember, this physical journey is a picture of our spiritual journey. He finally comes to Canaan land. God says, okay, this is it. X marks the spot, stop. He's now in the land of promise where God wanted him. And he comes to this place called Shechem 
near this tree in an area called Mori. Now, the imagery is amazing. Look at what God is teaching you today. Listen carefully. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land, this part of the Abrahamic covenant, the promised land of the Jews. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Look, Shechem is this place where he built this altar. It means shoulder. And Mori, where he built this altar, means teacher or shepherd. Do you see what Abram is saying? He's saying by this altar, Lord, carry me on your shoulder as my shepherd and my teacher. Abram was a very wealthy shepherd. In this age of economy driven by the flocks and the crops, this was a very successful shepherd, Abram. He carried many a sheep on his shoulder. You know what an ancient shepherd did with a little sheep that kept wandering off? Come here. He carried on his shoulder until he could trust that sheep to walk alone. You know what Abram is saying, God? I am tired of wandering off. For some of us here, we have wandered off over and over again. You know what God wants to do? Come here, my little lamb. Let me carry you. And I tell you what, you stay on my shoulder and I'll take you wherever I want you to go. You stay on my shoulder and I'll take you where you wanna be. Do you understand what God wants is not another New Year's resolution. He wants your heart submission where you are on the shoulder of the Savior, the Son of God, and you're saying, Jesus, you take me wherever you want me to be. I will go wherever you want me to go. No more detours, no more distraction, no more diversion, verse eight. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west of Ai and on the east, and there he built an altar, his second altar, and he builds it to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Now watch the imagery once again. The na nature of this altar is that he built it there with Bethel before him, Ai behind him. He pitches his tent in this place called Bethel. It means house of God. And this is why so many churches are called Bethel. Bethel Baptist, Bethel United Methodist, Bethel Assembly means house of God. Now watch this. He builds this altar and pitches his tent with Bethel before him and Ai behind him, Ai means ruin. What is he doing on this faith journey? He is picturing by this altar that God was before him and the ruins of his past were behind him. Sweet friends, listen carefully. I don't know where you have been. I don't know the amount of your life's ruin. I don't know how deep the sin or the sense of depression or devastation, but this much I know, God is before us and the ruins of our past are behind us. We may be a product of the past, but none of us have to be prisoners of the past. Philippians chapter three, here's the altar of God, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to those things that are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. To God be the glory, amen? It's a new day, it's a new beginning, and I wanna pray right now with you. Let's build that altar together. In the start of this new year, I'm gonna ask you to stand up, slip out of your seat. Let's build this altar of Abraham with God before us, our past ruin behind us, petitioning God to move on our behalf as we move on his. Come quickly, would you? Jesus, that is our prayer at the beginning of this year. Lord, we build that altar at Shechem. Jesus, be our shepherd, savior, our teacher. 
carry us, God, wherever you want us to go. We're in a place of complete submission. We give up all rights. No more distractions. Lord, we build together this altar with Bethel before us and Ai behind us. God, we thank you that there's a greater day ahead, no matter how great the days behind us have been. And we thank you, God, that you're a God of the resurrection, that you take the ruins of our life and rebuild and restore everything that's been lost. And God, I pray for every person in this place today, God, especially today, these at this altar, I pray, God, in heaven, the movement of the Holy Spirit of God, the supernatural, unexplainable move of God upon our life, the move of God upon our church. God, we are not satisfied merely with where we have been for all the great things you have done. God, we are pleading and petitioning for greater things yet ahead. God, I pray for these men and women that your blessing, God, would fall upon them that, Lord, 2018 would be a year of exponential growth in their life spiritually, this faith journey. God, I pray that your blessing, God, would be upon their marriages, upon their families, upon their children. Lord, I pray that your grace and your face, God, would shine upon them in this new year in a special, special way, that you'd bless them, that, God, you would prosper them, that you would turn back every strategy of the enemy against their family, that, God, you would turn back every enemy weaponry against this church family this year, that, God, we would live to see greater things than ever before. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Let's stand together. Like, let's sing the King. Amen. You are than good. He's faithful. God is faithful. One thing I've learned is he is faithful. In times I thought there was no hope, the God of hope comes in where all hope has retreated. Guys, I love you so much. It's such an honor to be on this journey with you. I hope you have a blessed day. God bless you. God go with you.